Hey everyone, and welcome to Wedding Videography for Beginners. I am your host, Phil Biavalt. We have Britt back again, who is very unhappy with me right now. <laughs> I'm over too. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that we are offering mentoring sessions, so please feel free to reach out about that. Uh, I am really enjoying doing those mentoring sessions, so, you know, hit us up. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk, well, we wanted to talk about how to set up your ceremony cameras. I've seen a lot of questions in groups and that kind of stuff about that, so we want to kind of walk through uh, how we do it and then... You know, we're going to go over a two camera setup, a three, four, and five camera setup. Um, so let's get after it. And the first thing I just, you know, Brittany is not happy with her microphone right now. So she's giving me no, dirty looks. No, because I feel like and- I have this huge, like, smoke screen in front of my face and it's obscuring my vision and it's just annoying. Yeah. So now I got to buy Brittany a new mic. No, well, he's got this fancy fucking setup over there and he's got me what feels like inside of a Catholic confessional. (laughs) (laughs) It does kind of look like the screen to that. Oh my gosh. I've been a bad, bad boy. (laughs) 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 That was a Tropic Thunder reference in case anybody missed it. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's start with two cameras. This part's going to be the longest, uh, obviously because, this is going to make up the backbone of all of the other cameras. So I personally believe that you should always have two cameras that you should never be shooting with just one camera. Uh, If you need to rent one, then you need to rent one. It's going to make your life a thousand times easier because you will have one camera that is continuously rolling Uh, That's a nice, stable, you know, locked off tripod shot the entire ceremony. So you can be wandering around with the other camera and that kind of stuff and always have one to kind of fall back on. So, uh, you know, it's it makes your edit significantly easier because when you're, you know, say walking backwards or doing, you know, whatever, you can just cut to that. We call it the safe cam. You can cut to that like safe angle, that safe cam. Um whenever you need to. So it's, it's a very, very good thing to kind of have in your arsenal. And if you listen to, I think it was episode 55. Um, you think I know it was only like two episodes ago where I was talking about passing on costs to your couples and that kind of stuff. Like if you need to rent a camera, then you need to pass that cost on. So you shouldn't be eating that out of pocket. Now, what I like to do is, place the safe camera on a tripod raised pretty high up, almost to kind of the max. Um, and the reason why is because you want it looking over everyone in the back. And, you know, one thing that I see a lot of people doing is they place their camera in the middle of the aisle. And that to me is a horrible, horrible idea because that gets in everyone's way. It gets in the photographer's way. It gets in your way. Like it's just, it's a train wreck. People kick them. They knock the camera over. There's all kinds of stuff. Like it's not, you know, in my personal opinion, you should never be putting a camera in the middle of the aisle. That's no, just, it's the aisle way. Yeah, it's I called know. an aisle. True statement. So what we like to do is imagine two columns 
So you've got column one and column two. And in between those two columns is the aisle on now, mind you just real quick. We are, I'm going to be using bride and groom while I'm talking just because it's easy to break those two apart to kind of separate everything. So that's not to, you know, it's not to diminish uh, same sex couples, weddings, that kind of stuff. Like we're just using bride and groom. Cause it's just when you're like verbally talking about it, it's just easier to have two opposing sides and trying to explain it without it. Kind of just said side A, side B. No, well, it's I already had it all written up with bride and groom. So it's too late. <laughs> I'm too far gone. So when you have the two sides broken apart, right? So you've got you've got that you got the two columns. Typically, when you're looking towards the um, ceremony site itself, the bride is on the left hand side and the groom is on the right hand side. So what we like to do is on the groom side, place that camera pretty much in like halfway in between the column. So you've split that column in half and we put the camera right there, right in the very last row. So right in the middle of the seats, just, you know, obviously not in the seats, but right behind the very last row. Yeah, so seven seats in a row, seat. Yeah, that was a great number. That was a great number to pick right there. So seat three and a half. (laughs) Three and a half. Couldn't have just went with eight. I know, I know. (laughs) Yeah, so if there's eight seats, um, go to like seat four. And that's where that's where we would put our camera, just you know, behind the last the last uh, row. We angle that one towards the bride. And then we have that with the bride framed in on the rule of thirds. So um, you want to frame it, you know, where, where the bride's going to be and that kind of stuff. So you can see the bride's face, the officiant, and then the left side of the groom's face. Now for that, you should be using a 70 to 200 or equivalent. And the reason why I say that is because it's going to make, uh, getting that composition and framing from there significantly easier because you can you can punch in you can punch out um, in two hundred millimeters is a pretty good it's a pretty good focal length for back there like most of the time you won't need more than that um, so that that's a good it's a good lens to have back there now once you have it set up there you'll notice that when you're punched in and you have everything framed up right that you and the photographer can walk up and down the aisle and never really get into your shot like that. You'll never really have that shot um, obstructed. So that's personally where we put it. We don't need to worry about getting in anybody's way. We don't need to worry about like a guest hitting it. If they're coming in late, like we don't need to worry about any of that because it's, you know, it's halfway in the column uh, on that right side. So with the other camera now is when you can, you, you know, it can either be handheld, it could be on a gimbal. You know, we personally keep ours on a gimbal. However, if you have good IBIS, you know, handheld works just fine. I know for 99% of the day, we're not on a gimbal. Uh, we're just handheld. Um, you know, we got spoiled with the GH fives and the S fives with Panasonic's, um, IBIS. 
and now the IBIS and the FX3 and our A74, that kind of stuff, like they, they, it works just fine. But for the ceremony, we plop the camera on a gimbal and we, you know, so now I keep saying we, but mind you, if you're doing a setup like this, I'm assuming that it's just one shooter. It's just you. So what you're going to do is you're going to have that back camera. You're going to turn that on. It's going to be recording. And then you're going to position yourself up front. Typically, I would stand next to the photographer. So that's just, you know, wherever the photographer was at up front, I just typically stand next to him or her. And we would just kind of do our thing together because I would have already talked to the photographer about where they were standing, what they were doing, that kind of stuff, so that we were kind of in sync and we weren't doing, you know, we weren't tripping over each other or we weren't fighting with each other, trying to get certain shots and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I want to be on the side where the bride would be standing. Reason being is because when you take a knee and everyone stands up, um, you're not going to, nobody's going to see you in that safe camera. You're going to be just, you're going to be down below everybody the entire time. So I typically take a knee in the front. I record the pre-sessional of the bridesmaids and, you know, that kind of stuff, everybody coming through, uh, right off the bat. And then when everybody stands, I'll stand up with them. Um, and I will try to get a few seconds of them coming down the aisle. So maybe like the first three to five seconds when you see them, get that nice long shot of them, you know, getting ready to walk down and then I'll turn and look directly uh, at the groom, pull focus, get three to five seconds of that reaction, then turn back, pull focus and get the rest of, you know, the bride coming down the aisle. It's a very simple way of getting, you know, if you're shooting in 4k 60 or if you're just shooting in 60 frames in general, that three to five seconds is going to be a long time. Once you slow it down and that kind of stuff like that's, that's actually a long time. I know it doesn't seem like it, but once you get to the edit, you're, you're going to have plenty of footage between all those shots. Um, so I get a few seconds of that, get a few seconds of the groom's reaction, turn back, finish getting them coming down the aisle. And then I literally just pivot around the family member or the friend or whoever it is that's walking them down the aisle. I just do a quick pivot, get right behind them. Uh, and now I'm in the aisle and I just record like that handoff. They typically do a handshake or a hug. You know, they have a little emotional moment. And then the bride and the groom kind of get situated in front of the, the officiant. And then, you know, the, the festivities start. So I will set the gimbal down because, you know, gimbals, they have the little, especially like the Ronins. And I think all of them now have that little tripod piece that kind of plops out a little, has little legs on it. I will set that down in the aisle up against one of the rows pull focus, you know, get the composition right. Um, and then just leave that recording right there in that spot. So I will walk back to the safe cam. I'll make sure that it's recording. That's always a good place to start and, uh, make sure that the framing, the composition, that all that stuff is right because now you actually have everybody standing up there. So you can, you can see exactly where they're at. So if I have to move the camera, you know what I mean? If I got to like, um, 
you know, change the focal length, that kind of stuff. That's, that's when I would do that because the other camera is recording. So I can cut to that one and then cut back to the safe camera once it's back. And at that point, I'll just walk over. I'll grab the other camera, the one that's on the gimbal, and I'll just start to move around. I'll try to get some creative angles. Uh, I definitely walk up front and will try to get at least three to five seconds of each set of parents, if they are there, of grandparents, you know, people in the front row. People in the front row are typically important. So I'll try to get three to five seconds of like each person. Then just try to get some cool little angles of, you know, uh, get some moving shots, some like nice wide dramatic shots. Like just try to, you know, play around with it a little bit. And the reason why you can kind of do that and, you know, really get a little creative is because you have that safe cam in the back that's recording that entire time. So once the uh, groom is starting to, you know, say his vowels or do, you know, whatever, uh, whether it's, yeah, it's just vowels and what would they call the, the I guess, traditional vowels, right? What? I don't know the, the actual, I don't want to say canned, but the, you know, Anyways, so we, well, we, we typically shoot a lot of weddings where the, the couples are reading their own vowels and then it just, they kind of like warp through the, I do por- oh, portion of yeah. it, but there's traditional. Yeah. So when, when, you know, so as the groom is talking, you want to make sure, you know, that safe camera is focused on the bride. So it's really, you know, that's the, that's the key person in that frame is that side. So you want to make sure that you get a, a decent angle with your gimbal and then get the groom as they're, you know, speaking. And then you can go back to what, what you were doing because you always have that shot with the bride. Now, when things are starting to wrap up, once you've done this for a little while, you can kind of tell when they're about to, you know, when they're about to say by the power of me, by, you know, whatever state that you were in, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you want to make sure that you're in the aisle at that stage. And that you get, you know, a good framed, um, good composition and a good frame of the kiss. Now, typically I'm standing right next to the photographer. So we're shoulder to shoulder. We're each getting our shots and we're each walking backwards for the recessional all the way down the aisle. Um, just, just to get, you know, the couple as they're, they're coming down and then I'll stand at the back for like a minute and get all the family members as they come down. And then once pretty much the first row on either side is done, that's when I'll just stop recording, set the camera down and start, you know, breaking everything, breaking everything down. So during that entire ceremony, you have a really good safe shot that's stable and in the back. And you have the ability to get some really creative shots because of that. So when you go to edit your film, you can just cut back and forth between the two of them and never really have to worry about a shot to where something's bouncing around or, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's all kind of screwed up because I've been there. Like I, I know exactly what that's like to get back to the editing table and start to work on something and be like, Oh my God, like I can't cut to anything because I, you know, I used to shoot ceremonies with one camera and you, know, you just kind of learn that one camera is not enough. And again, if you need to rent that other camera, then 
increase your price, whatever that is. So if it costs 150 bucks to rent a camera for three days, you know, with a lens, then, you know, you need to raise your price by that much. It's not going to be, it's not going to be so much that when you raise your price, you're going to lose a bunch of clients. It might be 250 bucks. And if you're going from 1200 to 1500, there's not going to be that much. You're not going to notice that much of a uh, statistical difference. Yeah, but that's also a cost that you shouldn't be eating up. So that shouldn't be cutting into your profits. It's never something that you should sacrifice. Just upload, like, um, charge it up front. Just know that that's what it's going to cost you to get a good film for your couple. And because you have two cameras, we haven't talked anything about the toast because that's not this episode, but the, uh, and you'd have a second camera then for the toast. So you can get a couple's reaction and the person giving the toast. So anyways, that's a completely off topic, but, uh, you should always have at least two cameras now for a one person solo shooting. Cause I know episode, I think it was episode 57. Wasn't that the last one? Um, I think episode 57 is when we, we talked about solo and multiple shooters. This Sam, this setup right here for the ceremony is perfectly manageable for one person. Like this is a very simple, you know, no frills, two cameras, you know, I could run with that all day. Like that's, that's not that big a deal. So it's definitely stress-free for solo shooting for those of you that are starting out or anything, or even if you have to do like destination weddings and that kind of stuff. And we will be right back. Are you tired of aimlessly flipping through mediocre at best music for hours? You find yourself wasting valuable time on projects just trying to find that perfect song? Bring in Musicbed. The first time Britt and I looked at their library, I remember saying, we could use any of these. Musicbed has a massive library of elite musicians used by brands like Nike, Samsung, Apple, and ESPN. Having a hard time finding that perfect song? Reach out to a specialist who can help do the searching for you and create a list of songs specifically for your project. Imagine the amount of stress reduction you would have with music selection being a breeze. Imagine how much time you can save during an edit by having a massive library of meticulously selected songs. What would that do for your productivity or quality of life? Musicbed is your solution. Click on our link below to see our hand-selected playlist. Use code WVFB at checkout and get your first month free when you sign up. Musicbed was simply a lifesaver for us. What we normally shoot with is three cameras. Like that's our safety setup. So um, it's very similar to what Phil's been talking about. The key difference is that I am on the groom's reaction cam and... I am there the entire length of the ceremony. It's the one thing that I focus on so that Phil can take care of the rest like he was talking about um, before. So he still does what he's doing. The only difference is is that I am manning the groom's reaction cam. So he's still getting – he can actually focus more on being creative because he doesn't have to worry about getting the groom's reaction. Um, so what he's doing is roaming up and down the side of the aisle, tracking the bridesmaids, getting creative shots like that. Um, and then our safe cam is still in the same spot in the middle of one of the um, the rows. Columns. Columns. Oh my gosh, that's going to be confusing. <laughs> 
Um, but what we're doing is we still have this 7,200 lens and, um, it's actually a 70 to 180 millimeter Tamron lens that we use, but we actually have two or do we get rid of? No. So we, we have on the safe cam, we have the 70 to 200, uh, Canon, Canon the RF, um, F 2.8, I think it's a Mark three. And then we have the Tamron F 2.8, which I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a 70 to 180. It's not 200. I know it's 180, which is very, Tamron has some very strange focal lengths. Like even, you know, instead of getting a 24 to 70, they have like a 26 to 72. Like it's very, they have very strange focal lengths, but yeah, but that's usually staged over on the tripod. What am I shooting the groom's reaction with? The 70 to 70 180. Why are you giving me a weird look? Because that huge lens is what I normally pop on. That's the 70 to 200. That was before we got Sony's. You're getting camera systems. Oh my gosh. Up now. Yep. All right. So when we were, when we were on, when we were on the Panasonic <laughs> S5, you were doing the 70 to 200 because we had two. Yeah. Anyways, lots of changes for this upcoming season shooting on Sony's as opposed to the Panasonic's but once I have the reaction I just set the camera I frame and compose um, the groom and pretty much just monitor at that point try not to touch it try not to fidget with it too much but the beauty of having the safe cam is that like Phil said earlier it's that if you have to make those subtle adjustments, you have at least one camera that's um, solid the entire time. And it's also important that if you're running this setup that you actually are looking around before you start making adjustments so that you know that, you know, Phil's not tinkering with the safe cam at the same exact moment that you need to make an adjustment. Like one camera is Always a steady shot. Um, Unless you put that camera on a monopod and you're getting eaten by mosquitoes. Yeah, which I know we mentioned before. Like I am prone to getting attacked by bugs. It's just an unfortunate side effect of being me. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't put it any other way. It happens every time. I'm also the person that has the bug spray at any given time. All right. So Phil's going to, he'll be the one checking on the safe cam. I don't move around too much. I try not to be, you know, too obtrusive or anything. He's the one doing all the creative stuff, getting the gimbal shots. And I'm just trying to make sure that the groom is in focus and, you know, it's not a difficult job by any means, but, um, it's nice to have that angle. And we found that this setup is ideal for us and it works for our highlight films and ceremony edits. So like I said, it's not too obtrusive. Um, it's still only one of us walking around, but we have that three camera system that makes it, um, definitely easy for us to have, all the key points and features of our films. So 
the four camera system is what we manned, gosh, a few times. Oh, we did four cameras for, for, for a, a long, long time. time. We for a long time, for like two yeah. years. Yeah. And then we, you know, we're kind of testing the waters, listening to what some other videographers were saying and some of them. Yeah, Mark just, and Valerie, they, they yeah. talked a lot of shit to us. Like, <laughs> shooting with five cameras? <laughs> yeah, it, and I have yeah, to we admit got a little crazy that there for a it was a bit excessive. Horrible and then idea. when it came down to it, we were asking ourselves, like, do we, excuse me, really use – any of the footage from like all of the footage. Yeah. I mean, but there was probably at least one camera angle that we would just never, or you would never bounce to in the edit. I think I would use every angle just to say that I used every angle, but I didn't need to use three of them. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely excessive, but I feel like we had to do that in order to understand why not to do it. So it was definitely part of our learning curve. Obviously, that's not something that everyone can do. We had that many cameras. I think we even rented at some time. Like, I don't even know. We did. I think we rented the fifth. We rented the fifth camera. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like, you'd think that we were shooting freaking Joe Jonas's <laughs> or something, but. Yeah, we literally own two cameras now. We've sold everything but the FX3 and the A7 IV. We don't own other than the Super 8. Yeah. When that don't, do you still have like a Canon T3i or something? Do you have one of those floating around here? Like my old? Yeah, the old Canon. We used to take on family trips. Yeah. Yeah, it's still up in the closet. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. Like we, we just have an A7 IV and an FX3. And we thought about getting another FX3, which I still think we will. But you just can't find them right now. So you're just going to rent. Yeah. I mean, right now it's not like that big of a deal. I don't, yeah. I don't say as long as we can get one for a rental. I don't, I don't have any, we have all the ones. Anyways, let's get back to four cameras. Yeah. So four cameras, definitely a bit excessive. Um, we did use it though. We use four cameras for a long time. Did you want to explain to them what four cameras is? Cause it's been like six minutes. Uh, four cameras is the basic <laughs> setup with the two safe cam roving cam and then the third camera which is groom's reaction cam and then the fourth camera it was just dedicated on the bride that was it oh, so oh my gosh like we're totally changing up our yeah system. so so we had we had one camera on the left wing that Brittany would man that would be catching the groom's reaction and then would just stay framed and composed on, you know, them for the entire ceremony. And then on the exact opposite side, we had another camera that was framed and composed and recording, uh, on the, the bride and it just got them the entire time. And then what we would do that is a little bit different is the safe camera in the back. We would open that up. We'd change the field of view to where it was a significantly wider shot just so it would look a little bit different. But, you know, you technically didn't need really the the gimbal cam was only getting the them coming down the aisle and then leaving. Like the the other shots might have looked cool and that kind of stuff, but there were so many other angles that just started to get just didn't need it. And if you're so that that's the only difference. We had two, I called them the wing 
cameras. We had two cameras on the wings, one safe camera and one gimbal cam. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was excessive and it, there is a point to where it does seem to start getting obtrusive everywhere you look, there's a camera and you don't really need it. You might feel that you need it, but if you're shooting in 4k, you can play around with that image in post by, you can punch that in, uh, by what, by almost a hundred percent. Cause you, if you're delivering a video in 1080, which we do, we shoot everything in 4k and we deliver in 1080p. Um, you, you have a ton of wiggle room to add motion, to do all kinds of stuff to that image. If you're shooting it in 4k, so you don't, you can make one camera look significantly different from shot to shot than, you know, physically having four cameras up and running because now, you know, you're setting up two cameras, your second setting up two cameras, just, there's more room for error. There's more margin for error. You you need more memory cards, more memory space. Like there's, there's a ton of stuff that goes into that. And you're only using those four cameras for the ceremony. Yeah. That's unbelievably way. That's so much. Well, let's talk about five. Yeah. Well then five is you have all those and then you have two roving cameras. Two roving peeps. So, I mean, that's just, we've never done a five camera setup like that. We have, I've never been roaming. Now, I, once once you're in that five camera range, uh, I definitely think that you should have a third shooter. Yeah. I think it just doesn't make any sense to have, you know, to have two people doing that stuff. But the, um. Uh, I because at the end of the day you probably have five cameras set up and only four are recording. Yeah, you've missed three one. of them are in yeah. frame. Yep. Um, it's just it's way too much that's going on. Like it's it's way too much stuff. And then not to mention, once the ceremony is over, you got to move all that shit. Yeah, you got to get all those cameras. And, and not to mention just, the bride and groom are taking off with a photographer that's only got yeah they're jumping on a golf cart and leaving you going to going to a damn lighthouse without you yep i will never forget that that was kind of funny but you know just in general terms i do know of plenty of people who use four cameras i do know uh i think it's andrew i think his last name's guilford i think that's how you pronounce it he, I watched his behind the scenes video. He shoots with five cameras and a drone He's by got himself. A system. Oh yeah. No, I mean, so I'm not saying that you can't do it. I just, I personally, I just don't, you know what I mean? Like if it works for him, good on him. Like I, you know, I watched him knock all of it out. Like it's, you know, he's got the, he's got the tape to prove it. The, yeah. uh, I just, I don't, I personally believe that you hit a point of diminishing return at, you know, I think once you pass three cameras, the value of the other cameras just start to go down. That's just my personal opinion. You're just not, you're not going to get the same ump. And, you know, between Mark and Valerie laughing at us hysterically over dinner when we were talking about this to, uh, you know, when I was shooting with LaRev and that kind of stuff, like they, you know, LaRev, they don't shoot with more than three cameras. Well, yeah, it's just, it's not necessary. You you know, you don't, you don't actually need it. Uh, But like I said, there are plenty of people that do it. So we're not, you know, knocking on people that do it and that kind of stuff. It's a personal choice. Um, We just, you know, I just don't think that it's necessary, especially if you're just starting out. 
Like if you're, if you're in like the beginning stages or even in like the medium, the, like the middle market, like three to five K range, that kind of stuff. Like I definitely wouldn't be focused on four to five cameras. Like that would be the least of my worries. Cause you just, you just don't need it. Nope. You have anything else you want to add, Britt? Um, no, I was just thinking that. Oh boy, she's going off the cuff. This is going to get real good. Yeah. Um, real good. No, I mean, it's, there've been times that we've had the four camera setup and it was just so tight in the ceremony space. Oh yeah. That like even getting in to check on one of the reaction side wing cams was nearly impossible. Taryn and Kevin's one was a really good example of it. Well, the camera that was on her side was almost, it was so hard to get back to it to check and they had moved too. So by the time I went back and looked at another shot, like they were completely out of frame. Like they, yeah, you know, it was just, it was a well, train wreck. Also, um, Isaac and Liv's, um, I was on, was I, I was on groom side reaction cam. We, that was only three cameras for them. I know, but I was so tight up against the window that once I was like there, I was stuck there behind like the curtain. I did. I liked the angle though. No, it was, it was like shoulders. It was just shoulders up for both of them. It worked, but like once the guests had filed into their seats, there was no getting out to check, even if I wanted to check other cameras. Which she doesn't. No. And then, um, <laughs> wasn't it, it was Kit and Claire's wedding where you, what did you do? You were like off to the side oh and just sat gosh, there and just no. looked at me like, what? We were in the smallest church and I got yeah. stuck over in a pew off to the side and he just I was sat with there the one, time. no, I was with the, ceremony. the second photographer too, and she couldn't move. So the other, I guess you'd call them leads, you and um, her husband were the ones that had to be roving. Who did we shoot that wedding with? Was K that and A? K and A? Yeah. Yeah. And we got stuck over on the side because I think the pastor was also like not about people walking around as much. So, I mean, there wasn't really much we could have done anyways. I remember I, I was in a hurry and I was setting up everything. Oh, because Hurricane Dorian had hit mm-hmm. that morning. That's right. Yep. And uh, we get to the church. There is a second story. So there there was like a, where the, um, not the piano. What do they have up there? Oh my God. Organ. Organ. Yeah, when they had the organ up there. And I ran up and set this camera up. And for some reason... I decided that that angle would be best if it was looking at the violin player up on the stage. And that was it. That angle is literally just, and then like she left like 10 minutes into the ceremony. So I I remember going back through the footage and was like, oh my God, it's just an empty chair for like 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I think I used, I used the gimbal. For like 99% of those shots because you were like stuck behind a column. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, too, just kind of like why having so many cameras becomes an issue at times. Even if, you know, you are in wide spaces controlling all the cameras, not being obtrusive, 
because at the end of the day, you do have to remind yourself that this is someone's wedding and people are watching it live. They don't want to be, you know, bothered by the videographer. You asking them to move out of the way so you can go check your camera. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. As you're coming through. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that was pretty much the one thing. There's just a lot of funny, uncomfortable situations that you get yourself into with more cameras. Oh, how about putting that phone on silent? Who's texting you at this hour? Um, the potential au pair. Oh, oh, good. She's in a different time zone, so that's okay. All right, yeah, I'll let that one slide. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I like just to kind of recap. You know, I think two cameras solo shooting perfectly manageable. Uh, three cameras solo shooting is actually pretty manageable too. You know, I I've done a three camera setup plenty of times by myself, which that's okay. Um. You know, just personally, once you start getting into four and five, like it just start, like I said, it just, you do hit a point of diminishing returns to where not every angle is actually cool and worth it. And maybe you get six seconds of a shot and that's not going to make or break your ceremony at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just our thoughts. That's just how we kind of set up. We hover around three now and we tend to be pretty good on three. You figured you would uh, silence that off the first go around. I thought I did. The, uh, but yeah, I like, I like three and three, I think is also a perfect thing for the toasts, which we'll, we'll talk about at a later date. But, uh, I, I just, I personally don't think, I think if you had four cameras, the only reason why you should have four is if one of the other three breaks and you have something to fall back on. And that's kind of how I look at our third camera because 99% of the day we're on two. So we have that yeah. third camera, the a seven, four, that, you know, if something happens on the FX3s, we can bump over to it. So make sure that you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure that you're following our podcast, which you are listening to. I should probably stricken that from my notes because it doesn't make any sense to keep saying, make sure you follow our podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Wedding Videography for Beginners. I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy, and we will see everyone next week. All right, out. I was going to say, normally you go, toodaloo! I'm... <laughs> All right, now we're back. Bye. Are you backing up your footage? Is it seamless, running in the background, and easily available? Bring in Backblaze, the world's easiest cloud backup. Our workflow is so simple. We offload our footage onto our external drives. Then that evening, the files automatically start backing up into the cloud. There's nothing else for us to do. Imagine having the peace of mind that your footage is stored off-site in a safe location where you can easily retrieve it from your browser and that it is crazy affordable. That's Backblaze. Click on our affiliate link below and get one month free.